Welcome to the Watching World Podcast, a podcast of abundant life, whose mission is to see lives changed by Jesus, and whose vision is to be living proof of a loving God to a watching world. I'm your host, Les Norman, and thanks for joining us today. My guest is Ken Ham. You can go to AnswersInGenesis.org. I got to hear this gentleman speak 30 years ago, and I've been listening to his stuff, reading his stuff, and following him ever since. A biblical apologist, and uh, he is the founder of Answers in Genesis, um, the highly acclaimed Creation Museum, and the visionary behind the popular Noah's Ark, the Ark Encounter. Um, the Creation Museum is out in Cincinnati, Ohio area. And, and Ken, isn't it just over the line into Kentucky? That's where the uh, Ark Encounter is, correct? Yeah, the Ark Encounter and the Creation Museum are both in northern Kentucky, actually. So just oh, okay. across the river from gotcha. Cincinnati, and uh, that's where they're located. Awesome. Make sure you get out there. We, uh, my, my son and I and a group of his friends, and we, we took them a year ago, and uh, Wow. The, the Ark Encounter, if you've never been there and you're able to get out there, it will change your life. So one of the things that I saw at the Ark Encounter, Ken, and it was fascinating, is that inside you have these, these different, um, what, the, what, it, what the Ark looked like based on, on the biblical descriptions and the measurements and all that, and it is a multi-tiered, it's like a literal Ark. You will not, if you've not seen it, it is unbelievable and i'm obviously the the bible was the inspiration in building that size before i even ask this question what made you decide to to get behind this project and do this well you know really the vision for all this started back in the 70s when i was uh going to university and then became a high school teacher and found that uh, students said, you know, you can't be a Christian and believe the Bible because the Bible's not true because of what they're taught in their textbooks about evolution. So I started teaching them the truth, actually, even Mm -hmm. as a public school teacher, and then took them to museums. They're all from an evolutionist perspective and said, Lord, why can't we have a creation museum? And I always had this burden to build a creation museum. And so that's what came first. And that was open in 2007 mm-hmm. in northern Kentucky, and it's really a, 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 a facility where we walk people through the Bible and answer the most asked questions that, mm-hmm. that are used today and, and statements that are used to attack the Bible to help people understand the Bible's history is true, and we can answer questions about evolution and millions of years and dinosaurs and ape men and all these sorts of things uh, to help people see the Bible. The Bible is God's Word, and it is true, and Genesis 1-11 to is the foundation for marriage, it's for foundation for gender. It's foundation for everything. Well, then, over the years, one of the most asked questions we've been asked is, well, how could Noah get the animals on the ark? And, you know, atheists ask that question. How could Noah get the animals on the ark? Noah's flood couldn't have happened. The ark couldn't be true. And so we used to, even at camps, uh, use helium balloons to try to show the size of the ark. And, and, you know, we would talk about kinds versus species to answer that question. So while we were building the Creation Museum in 2004, uh, we actually sat down and said, what are we going to do next? I mean, you're not, you're not going to stop at this. I mean, we want to do the business of the King Tilly Returns, right? So you keep going. And we said, why not build a life-size ark? Well, people thought we were nuts. But uh, in 2005, <laughs> we said, no, let's do this. Let's build a life-size ark. And you know, it's interesting. We stepped out in faith to do this. And the Lord led us to an architect who grew up in the Mennonite Amish communities who all his life had been uh, working out how would you design a timber frame structure to build Noah's Ark. Wow. <laughs> and, and he knew the people who could do it as well, uh, the craftsmen in the, um, uh, in the Mennonite and Amish community. Wow. And so the Lord led us to all of those. So anyway, uh, uh, to cut a long story short, so uh, we in 2016 uh, opened 
the Ark Encounter is the biggest freestanding timber frame structure in the world. It's one and a half times the length of a football field. I don't know how that accounts for baseball fields, but anyway. That's okay. That's okay. One and a half times the length of a football field, half the width of a football field. It's built 15 feet off the ground and it stands 10 stories high at the bow end, 3.3 million board feet of timber. Mm. And so people see the actual size of the ark according to the dimensions in the Bible, which, you know, most of them are used to these books in their churches with Noah's ark looking like an overloaded bathtub with drafts sticking right. out the chimney about to sink at any moment. Right. And so they see this and say, wow, that makes it real. And then we have 130 world-class exhibits through all three decks yes. of the ark. You can walk through all three decks answering the questions that people have. And we've seen many people who, as a result, have committed their lives to the Lord as they realize, wow, there are answers. Wow, the Bible is true. Wow, they listen uh, to the message of the gospel. Mm. When, I, when I first walked in, I stayed so much at the Adam and Eve and the fall of man and just the way the Garden of Eden is depicted and then the fall and it is it is so colorful and visual but in the in the Ark Encounter you bring everything um, just to, to to bring the truth to a way that everybody can understand and I was just fascinated and and wanted to fall on my knees and I was just buckled and I mean in a great worshiping glory to God kind of way. And then I got into all the potential like animals and different things. And so this, this brings me to the dinosaur question and the joint question of how often do we hear it? I'm sure you, you got into this with the, with the debate with Bill Nye and so many people for generations say that the, that the earth and the universe is millions and millions and billions of years old. And some people say, well, only these dinosaurs exist or the dinosaurs couldn't exist. So I'll just go ahead and simply ask you the question. You had mentioned this in the first thing about 6,000 years ago. How old, how long has man been on the earth? And were there dinosaurs actually that walked the face of the earth? Well, you know, um, earlier I was talking about the fact that we need to be thinking foundationally. Right. And let me explain what that means. So if we're going to talk about dinosaurs, we're going to talk about the age of the earth. My point is, from a biblical worldview perspective, we have to start from God's word. God knows everything. God's always been there. He's revealed key information to us. So we start from God's word. When you start from God's word in Genesis, okay, in regard to the age of the earth, how would we work that out? Well, the Bible tells us in Genesis 1, God made everything in six days. Now, of course, a lot of people say, well, we don't know what the word day meant, or could it mean millions of years, or whatever. Well, the Hebrew word for day is the word yom, and it's used over 2,300 times in the Old Testament. Mm. And we know what it means, by the way. Everywhere it's used, except Genesis 1, seems to be the question. <laughs> Why do we know what it means everywhere else, but Genesis 1 is always a problem? It's because people have been impacted by millions of years, and they're trying to fit that into Scripture. And you see, whenever the word yom is qualified by a number or evening or morning or the phrase evening and morning or the word night, it means an ordinary day. Now, if you start and look at the first time yom is used in Genesis 1 for day one, it's qualified by night, evening, morning, and a number. Mm -hmm. And then you look at the other days of creation, evening, morning, number, evening, morning, number. And as you go all the way through, even to the seventh day, it's qualified by number, which means according to the rules of Hebrew, Whenever it's qualified that way, it means an ordinary day. And you jump over to Exodus 20, verse 11, which is the basis of the seven-day week. We're told God made everything in six days and rested for one, um, and, and because 
God made everything in six days and rested for one. It says, in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth, which is Genesis 1-1, and the sea and everything in six days. So those days are ordinary days. That's the whole point. Mm-hmm. And Adam was made on day six. Um, Adam, we're told, had a son, Seth, at 130. Then we're told Seth had a son at a particular age. Then we're told he had a son at a particular age. All those details are there in the genealogies in the Old Testament. And so you work your way to Abraham and then to... God's son uh, steps into history 2,000 years ago. We date our calendars by that. And then from then to the present, you add up all those dates, it comes to about 6,000 years. So when anyone says to me, how old is the earth? I say, well, the Bible gives us a history to enable us to add it all up. And when you do, it only comes to 6,000 years, not millions of years. So that's where we will get the age of the earth from. And a, a challenge to those who believe in millions of years the idea of millions of years came out of atheism of the 1800s from people who believed that the rock layers were laid down over millions of years before man, and those rock layers are full of fossils, which are dead things that also show evidence of cancer and arthritis and other diseases. But after God made man, he said everything he made was very good. How could you have cancer and all this death before man sinned? Right. And the Bible makes it clear our sin brought death God's not to blame for death. We are because we sinned in Adam. And so you can't add millions of years into the Bible. It really attacks the character of God, blames him for death, and it it undermines the authority of Scripture. And then what did sin do? Then why did Jesus die on the cross? It really undermines the gospel as you start to think about it. So these issues are very important issues. Absolutely. And so... The, I've, I've, I mean, I remember growing up, I was not a believer. I wasn't in a family that had any faith whatsoever. They weren't atheists. They didn't go to church, and they would say one thing, but it, it wasn't this or that. And then I, I grew up with, okay, well, this is the religion, and it was about the works and the and, and a Catholic religion. And I'm by no means, I'm just saying what was my personal experience, not judging anybody. However, um, then when I came to be a professional athlete and heard the truth for the first time, and uh, accepted the truth and accepted what Jesus had done for my sins on the cross. And he died and, and uh, was crucified and rose again and rose to heaven. Um, it then different over the years, different questions came in. And one of those things I remember a long time ago was, well, if the earth wasn't millions of years, because we know it was the like the, the, the Paleolithic area and the Mesozoic era and, and all those different eras. Well, if that wasn't true, then dinosaurs couldn't have walked the earth. But then, you know, you go into the Ark Encounter and you see these different animals or different reptiles or different dinosaur-like creatures that you'd never seen before. So here's the question. If it's just 6,000 years old, could there have been dinosaurs that did actually walk the face of the earth? Well, we first of all need to understand that the word dinosaur is a modern word. It was invented in 1841. You see, I have people say to me, well, God didn't make dinosaurs because dinosaurs aren't mentioned in the Bible. I say, well, of course they're not. You know, the word dinosaur is not in the Bible. Neither is the word email, right? It's a modern word. (laughs) Right. So, um, But the word dinosaur was made in 1841, and it's a word that was used for creatures that had characteristics of reptiles, but instead of legs going out to the side like a crocodile, uh, you know, a lizard, uh, had legs more directly underneath them like a cow or a horse. And so they had a special name for these and they called them dinosaur. In fact, it comes from two Greek words, dinos and saurus, which means terrible lizard. Um, because the first 
skeletons they found they thought were of quite large creatures, whereas now we found that, uh, you know, what we call dinosaurs range from, you know, the size of a chicken uh, all the way through to the size of a bison, and, and we even have some big ones in the sauropods and so on. But here's the point. God made all the land, again, starting foundationally from the Bible, God made all the land animals, uh, all the land animal kinds on day six. So we say here at the Ark Encounter, our research indicates there's about a thousand land animal kinds. Um, For instance, you know, all the different species of dogs can interbreed, 34 species, so they're all one kind. So when God made the dog kind, he made the dog family, uh, those species have developed since then, since the flood in particular, when two dogs came off the ark mm. and formed the different species of dogs from all the genetic diversity in the DNA that God had put there. Sure. But God made about a thousand different kinds. Now, we would say there's about 80 different kinds of what we call dinosaurs. In other words, a subset of that thousand kinds, 80 of them would be today what we call dinosaurs. So the right way to talk about this is, Did God create dinosaurs? Well, God created all the land animals, and what we today call dinosaurs were included in those land animal kinds. And then two of every kind of land animal, seven pairs of some, went on board Noah's Ark. Did the dinosaurs go on board? Well, representatives of every animal kind, land animal kind, went on Noah's Ark, and that would have included um, representatives of the thousand different kinds, which would include the 80 that today we call dinosaurs. What happened to those that didn't go on the ark? Many, well, they were drowned. Many of them would have been covered in mud and turned into fossils. So most of your fossils that you find, like fossil dinosaurs, would be about 4,300 years old from the time mm. of the flood. They're not from millions of years ago. And then uh, we can say they came off the ark after the flood, and since the flood, there's been a lot of climate change. Well, now, that's a whole other issue. The climate change they talk about today is all a big scam, but uh, it's a religion. It's a big religion. It's a a worship of man and a worship of the creation. It's what Romans 1 says, when people abandon God as creator, they worship the creature instead of the creator. Um, But the flood caused climate change. And then the flood generated an ice age that caused climate change. And so over time, there are many animals that became extinct, uh, including the dinosaurs. And really, there's no mystery about it all when you start from God's Word. And and by the way, one thing that's really important to understand, Les, and, and, and we sort of didn't get a chance to talk about it earlier, but the foundation you have also determines not just how you look at fossils, not just how you look at death and suffering, but your morality. You start from God's Word, we know marriage is a man and a woman. God made two genders. Abortion will be killing a human being made in the image of God right from fertilization. You start with man's word, then man determines truth. Then then marriage is whatever you want to make it to be. Gender is whatever you want to make it to be. In other words, moral relativism. And we've got, you've got to understand what's happened in today's culture. We've had generations indoctrinated against the Bible. They've been told science disproves the Bible, which is not true. And so they think, therefore, uh, it's man who determines truth, and that's why we're seeing moral relativism permeate the culture. So all of this is related. Mm. Wow, fantastic. So we're going to go ahead and take our final break. We'll have just a few minutes left when uh, my guest Ken Ham comes back. And Ken, I'm going to give you the question before, because I have a 22-year-old that's in college. He's in his junior year in uh, nursing school, and he's a young man of faith, unshakable faith. I have an 18-year-old young man, who a son who just graduated high school and is almost done with his associate's degree and is going to be in the business world. 
also a young man of unshakable faith. Now, I'm not concerned with them, but yet one of the big concerns, and a friend of mine who teaches a lot of college-age kids, is that there are a lot of youth, a lot of people around that age, these uh, young adults, children and young adults, are leaving the church or they're, they're turning away from their faith. I want to know maybe the why behind that or why we see nowadays such a major um, influx or exodus of, of that age group leaving the church. So I'm going to ask you the question in like five and a half minutes, which could be days, but why are young people leaving the church in droves? You know, um, people know that we're losing the coming generations. If you look at Generation Z, less than 9% attend church. Uh, in 2010, uh, millennial, uh, uh, millennials attending church were down to less than 18%. Wow. If you go back to the 1700s, 70 to 80% of the American population attended church. So we've definitely seen a generational loss from the church. No one can deny that. And when you look in England, you're down to about church attendance of about 5% or so, very similar in Australia, Canada. The whole Western world has seen a generational loss from the church. So what has happened? And uh, it's interesting because we did some research years and years ago. In fact, you know, I've spoken in all 50 states in America and church up to church up to church. And, mm-hmm. and I saw so much compromise rampant in the church and so many leaders who wouldn't take a stand on, on Genesis 1 to 11 and so many that said you can believe in evolution of millions of years and, and so on. Most of our Sunday school material was what I call Bible stories. You know, Jonah and the Great Feeding of the 5,000. They weren't teaching generations how to defend their faith. And 80 to 85% of kids from church homes go to public schools where they're indoctrinated in atheistic worldview and increasingly so and indoctrinated now in LGBT worldview and they're indoctrinated in evolution, Darwinian evolution and millions of years and so on. And many of our church leaders have said to them, well, you can believe that, that's okay, just trust in Jesus. Well, the research we did, and this is what I was thinking anyway, and the research confirmed this, uh, and we published a book in 2009 called Already Gone. The, the research showed that uh, two-thirds of young people were walking away from the church by the time they reached college age with very few returning. And George Barner, a Christian researcher in America, uh, found the same th- sort of thing. And when we asked the question why, really it came down to this because they didn't get answers from their Sunday school teachers or their pastors when they asked questions about dinosaurs or about Cain's wife or about the age of the earth. or They they weren't taught answers to these questions, and many of them were told, Genesis is not true, you don't need to believe it, you can believe what you're taught at school about evolution and millions of years. You you put all that together and you put years and years and years of evolutionary indoctrination in the school system, churches not teaching answers, not teaching them how to defend their faith, many of our Christian leaders condoning uh, the teaching of evolution of millions of years and undermining Genesis. And a lot of these young people started to say, well, the Bible can't be true. It's history and Genesis is not true. Once you open that door to create doubt in regard to God's word, it puts them on a slippery slide of unbelief and eventually they leave the church. 
church. And and so what we need to be doing is, you know, making sure that we're teaching them apologetics, teaching them how to defend their faith, teaching them answers to these skeptical questions that attack the Bible. There's been a lack of that through our churches and a lack of teaching the history in Genesis 1 to 11. That's the foundation for marriage. If they don't have that foundation, no wonder they're impacted by the LGBT movement and so on, because God's Word tells us God made marriage and it was a man and a woman. So without that foundation, without the apologetics, many of them just walked away from the church. Mm. Fantastic. Well, listen, you talk about answers, go to answersingenesis.org, answersingenesis.org, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, a lot of videos and a lot of great information out there. Our guest has been uh, Ken Ham, a biblical apologist, author. Um, Again, if you can check out, if you can get there and go to the Ark Encounter or the Creation Museum, you need to. They're they're life-changing. Unbelievable. Ken, this has been, again, a bucket lister for me. Uh, This is so fantastic. Um, I wish you were in my area. I would sit and listen to you teach all the time, but I'm just so thankful the Lord provided technology that I can just do it that way. But um, blessings to you and your family. Thank you for taking the time. Um, Go enjoy the 4040, and uh, wow, uh, continue to do what you do, and thank you for bringing God's truth to all of us, but do Doing it in a way that makes us not feel fearful or less than or like we just don't know. Um, God has provided his truth for us all to know, and you just present it in a way that is very non-threatening but always full of his truth. Thank you so much. Hey, thanks, Liz, anytime. All right, well, I appreciate it. That was Ken Ham. Uh, thank you for joining us today on the Watching World podcast. For more information on Abundant Life, visit us online at livingproof.co. I'm Les Norman. Thanks for joining us today on the Watching World podcast. <laughs>